Hey everybody, this is Michael Stiles. Welcome to another episode of The Good Brew Podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the problem of evil. We're probably going to get a little philosophical here today. I don't know, a f- little philosophical. I can give you some of that philosophical. Of that philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> but before we talk about that, I want to talk to you guys about the problem of good that we have sitting around at this table. That didn't make any sense, but I'm running with it. Across from me, Jordan White. How are you, Jordan? Doing well. How are you, Michael? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's good to see you today. You're looking strong as ever. I try. On my left, Justin Harris. Hey, everybody. Is that your Michael impression? <laughs> it's the thing. combo Michael Philip impression. <laughs> I said Michael's words with Philip's thing. Well, you're, you're committing yourself to talk like that the rest of the episode. <laughs> okay, everybody. <laughs> and on my right, Philip Burns. Oh, yeah, we are. On today's episode, we're mixing it up a little bit. We are drinking some Crespa Cream Coffee, which actually is a big jump for me because I am a big Dunkin' Donuts man. So me going over to the, uh, I won't say competition because I think Krispy Kreme has superior donuts, which is probably why. That was going to be my question. What do you think about the donuts? Well, Dunkin' Donuts also has changed their name to Dunkin', so I think they must also be saying something about their donuts. I don't think Krispy Kreme will ever drop the donuts from their name. Today's coffee was brewed in our Ninja Brewer. We haven't done that since a couple episodes ago. And it was also made from pre-ground coffee. What is you guys' thoughts on this coffee? It gets the job done. <laughs> Tastes like pre-ground coffee. I will say, though, it's, it's good, though. It's, it's, it's a little burnt. I can taste a little burnt. Jordan is our coffee cynic at the table. I believe that most around this table, if not all of us around this table, including the man himself, would probably argue that Philip is our resident philosopher, so that is why we are going philosophical. 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 They've definitely turned it off. So if you haven't turned it off by now, please. Thank you. We're we're just trying to weed out, weed out the first time and have a good time here on the Good Brew. Thank you. We're just trying to have a good time, baby. All right, Phil. Problem of evil and all that it entails. So today we're talking about a domain of philosophy mainly the philosophy of religion, that's called the problem of evil. So at the center of this supposed problem is a question. And the question is, if God is all-good, all-powerful, and all-knowing, how can evil exist? Because if God were those things, he wouldn't create a world that had evil, right? But here we are living in a world that, you know, we experience evil on a very personal level, we experience um, evil on a very systemic level, you know, natural disasters, we call Mm -hmm. those evil, you know, that would be natural evil. And so I think for many people, the issue of evil is probably the most profound issues that we face in life that, you know, you don't have to be a, you know, a hardcore skeptic to to wonder, yeah, to see the issue or, you know whether we turn the headlines on or we have, you know, what we experience in our own personal lives with our families or friends. Evil is a is a very real part of our experience. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone has to think through this in order for them to have a more grounded worldview, mm. you know. So, yeah, the problem of evil. Now, is that used as an objection against Christianity? Yes. Or is it something that... 
There are many. Obviously, Christians think about yeah. it. Is that the, one of the main philosophical objections? I think to pose it as a problem, it kind of presupposes like that there are people that see it as an as uh, they can't reconcile the existence of evil with yeah what theism you know yeah. or mm-hmm. the main three religions you know Judaism, Islam, Christianity sure. would say about the character of God. Yes, more Christianity and Judaism. More specifically, Christianity, that God is all-loving, all-knowing, and all-powerful. Right. So skeptics often level this against Christianity, or really the existence mm-hmm. of God, period, and say that God God can't exist because evil exists. So it is a favorite card that they pull out in debates with people of faith. It's not just a problem for Christianity, it's mm-hmm. a problem for theism, broadly, yeah. meaning mm-hmm. the belief in God, and in, in specifically the Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. kind of God, the idea that God exists... That type of God exists does not seem to be on the surface compatible with the reality of evil in the world, and that is the problem. There's been around for, long I mean, time. this long, long, long time. Yeah, I mean, this was a problem in the ancient world. They were, they were aware of this philosophically. So, right. So when we think about the problem of evil, it usually has two dimensions. So there's the logical problem of evil, and then there's Which the. Is? Well, I'll what we it it's kind of what we just said. Yeah. What we just said to put, but to put it more like linearly, like kind of next to one another. The like. lo- there's a logical problem of evil, and then there's the more existential or um, emotional, which, yeah, or just the more of like our lived experience, like dealing with the reality mm-hmm. of evil. Which like ninety ninety nine percent of people that you deal with who like our listeners, the existential problem of evil is what is on their minds. They're sure. not sitting around yeah. every day thinking, well, if if a God is all powerful, and then right. B, God is also all knowing, right. and C, He's all good. Then therefore, you know, evil. Yeah, yeah. Or, so, it's, I mean, yeah. but it's the idea that oh man, my mom just got diagnosed with cancer. Why would yes. God let that happen? Right. You know, if God's actually there and He loves me, then why did this bad thing happen right. in my life or to the people I love? So, it affects everybody. Yeah. But the the existential problem is kind of that very personal yes. side of it. Let's talk, oh. But they're 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 connected. So they are connected. So when you have a when you have the cancer diagnosis or your child dies earlier yeah. than you expect or you know your house gets blown away by a tornado, I think what you're experiencing on an emotional level is the problem of evil, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a believer, right? Of course there are people that don't believe in God. Like they don't they don't believe in evil. They don't believe, you know, they just kind of float through life and yeah, they're well, yeah, and you can technically right. believe, like, even if you're, I feel like, an atheist, and you say God doesn't exist, you can still see the evil exists. So you'd still say, even in an world absent well, of no, God, there, not, there, you, there you are probably could, people that would, wouldn't even use the name. they like, that we don't believe God I, exists or evil exists. I would actually... God doesn't exist either. We just... Yeah, I would argue... We're just animals, and we just do things to keep our species alive. Right, sure. right. There are, though, Michael, you're right, there are people who would say... God doesn't exist, but evil does. But I would argue they're on moral. That's incompatible. Yeah, we'll like, get logically, there. we'll get there. But that's okay. that's a logical incompatibility. Those two things actually okay. are. But anyway, well, Jordan may have a direct quote from that book about what the logical problem of evil is, like stated. Do you have Do you have that anywhere? Jordan's reading uh, from God, I mean, Freedom, and Evil. Well, before I re- let me introduce this gentleman, brilliant Jordan White. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so there have been a lot of scholars that have interacted with the problem of evil over the years, but there's been one philosopher who's still living, but he really made his mark in the 20th century, and he his name is Alvin Plantinga. He has coined what's famously known as the free will defense in response mm. to the problem of evil, and that is what kind of put him on the map. 
with this issue. Yeah. So, but Jordan is whole, Jordan is flipping through a book that he read that uh, he wrote called God, Freedom, and Evil, where he directly addresses the problem of evil, the logical problem of evil, and then he offers his free will defense, a form of his free will defense, and other angles to the issue. So this isn't laid out <clears throat> linearly, but it it'll do the job. The existence of evil and suffering in our world seems to pose a serious challenge to the belief in the existence of a perfect God. If God were all-knowing, it seems God would know about all of the horrible things that happen in our world. If God were all-powerful, God would be able to do something about all the evil and suffering. Furthermore, if God were morally perfect, then surely God would want to do something about it. And yet, we find that our world is filled with countless instances of evil and suffering. These facts about evil and suffering seem to conflict with the orthodox theist claim that there exists a perfectly good God. The challenge posed by this apparent conflict has become to be known as the problem of evil. In short, there, they would argue there is a logical contradiction between holding that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-good, and evil exists. It's a, a lot, logical contradiction, they would say. A lot of that, like... You know, the theist is contradicting himself because he doesn't have a reason for it. Right. So, I mean, that's the first thing that Plantinga states in there is that just because somebody might not know or have the answer to something doesn't mean... There couldn't be one. There isn't one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If someone knows you're a Christian and they're an atheist or a skeptic or whatever, and they come up to you and they say, you know, give me a reason why God why God is all these things and evil exists. Very And if you can't come up with a reason, they would say like, aha, like... I oh, got yeah. you. And what Jordan is saying, or what Jordan's illuminating from what Plenty of talks about, is just because you can't come up with the reason of why evil exists doesn't mean there isn't one. Well, yeah. yeah, I think he gives the example of like a machine that has a ton of different components. Like you don't know the individual components, but you can see that there's a thing, that it does another thing, but you can't explain how that thing is happening. Right. I, yeah. Another way the question gets posed in academics, logical side of this thing, sometimes you'll hear it asked this, is this the best possible world God could have created? If you answer no, it's almost a defeater for for God's existence, because why wouldn't God create the best possible world? So if you look at... I think where we're talking now is if someone comes up up to you and is like, God doesn't exist because evil exists... And you're like, well, no, I, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, well, give me a reason why evil exists. And just because you can't come up with a reason doesn't mean there isn't one. Sure. That's so like, that's it, like, so Plantinga says simply, he dissolves the logical problem of evil by positing or by saying, like, that there could be a good reason why. Well, he proposes well, yeah, it's, the op, it's a defense. So he, yeah. pro- he dissolves the opposition. Yeah. So saying because evil Christianity. It's like, yeah, you can't base your opinion on the absence of someone else's knowledge. So Philip, if you're the president and and me and Jordan are just citizens, right? Yes. And yeah. And you citizens, peasants. Yeah, we're peasants. But we hear from the news or whatever that you have given an order and you've invaded another Uh or you've bombed a country. Right. And Jordan comes up and he's like, man, he bombed another country. What was he, he has no reason to do that. And and I might be like, well, we don't know that. We don't yeah. know what the reason is, but he might maybe my, maybe Michael's an advisor to you and he right. gives you information that this country has been up to no good and has took hostages or something, you know. Right. But you have reason but we don't know. Right. And there's that would a, there's be there's a there's a um the issue is access. You don't have access to all the information right. that went into my decision. But just because I don't have the reason 
doesn't mean there isn't, isn't one. one. Logically, mm-hmm. I can't know that. Yeah. So like in your bombing scenario, it's like, well, we're assuming that, well, for one thing, that we would have a, like some sort of grander authority than Philip. Right. And that we know more than him to think whether what he did is right or wrong. Right. And like you're so you're saying, you know, Philip's the president. Of course, we know me and you just common citizens. We do know logically that he has more access to information and intelligence about this country. We know he has a lot more than we ever could have. Yet we still, at least one of us in this scenario, say he has no reason to bomb this country. Okay, so take that analogy and then look at it with the real situation. We're accusing God. God, you can have no reason to allow evil to exist. How can we make that claim? Is that that that's what it's the kind of equivalent, right? We which would be the answer to the person who says, "Is this the best possible world?" They say no. It's like, how do you know? Yeah, how do you know? Okay, and the other thing, how do you know there could be a I, better one? I think we should also say this. There's, I forget, but there is some group that try to deny the existence of evil. Well, I know Buddhism, categorically, I don't think they have the idea of it. It's more of struggle. Like right. there's, a, nat, there's mm-hmm. a natural struggle involved in life that's just a part of it. But I think and it's... it's the, the goal is to make peace with it, like to learn to exist, coexist right. with the reality of it. But as, as all of us as Bible-believing followers of Jesus, sure. we want to acknowledge the existence yeah, of evil like and, what the, happened and the were, badness yeah, of it. Like the Rwandan genocide. I mean, right. we could list like, right. things that are obviously like right. evil. Yeah. And so you have to ask, like, how could that happen well, if it, God well, is Well, we have to acknowledge powerful. it because that's the big thing in the Bible. Exactly. It's sin. Especially in light of like what we talked about on our Genesis episode, where we say God created the world very good. Yeah. What is So when we talk about good and evil... I think it's also good to kind of determine what we mean by saying God is good. What would y'all say? Uh, but beyond the beyond like the the humanist terms, I mean, what would we say the Bible affirms by saying God is good? So this is also a philosophical question. <laughs> but how do we define good? Is it good because God says it's good, and and it's just based on the decrees that God has given? So. Take, for example, God said in, you know, looking in Genesis 1, but also like Ten Commandments, right? Okay, do not murder. God could have just as easily said, you know, the opposite, right? This would be one way of looking at it. Goodness is defined on what God has said is good. Another way that people say is goodness is something that God recognizes. It's outside of himself that he recognizes, and he he calls this good and this good because he's the one... It's something else, but both of those options are bad. The biblical answer, I think, would be that goodness is defined in God's character and who he is. It's rooted in himself. I would certainly say that goodness stems from who God is, but I even think that's a very abstract way of putting it. When we say something is good in life, you know, whether that be getting married or having a kid or getting a job or, you know, hanging out with your buddies or your girlfriends or, you know, fill in the blank. I think there's an existential dimension to goodness that I think is more in touch with what it really, what it really is and why it's connected to God. Mm. So like when you think of God at his essence is someone who only can create life. 
that like existence like exudes from who he is, which is why mm. creation even happened in the first yeah, place. Exactly. So, so when we think of like our lived experience, that which is good is that which promotes life. So whatever promotes growth in life and thriving in the direction of, yeah. you know, up, going up, not down. Sure. That would be good. Isn't de- yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to re- see if this lines up with that and see your philosophical thoughts on this. <laughs> Traditional theology does not believe that God is good on the basis of some empirical measure of goodness, and it likewise does not believe in the higher good because it has empirically measured a higher form of goodness. The argument that God is good essentially follows the same logic as the argument that God exists. There is too much order and too much function to account for that could not be explained if God were evil. Right. Yeah. So if God were fundamentally chaotic and disordered, we would not have the universe as it is. So you could even follow the train of thought. So whatever good is defined as that which brings order and function to things. Well, I think we see that in Genesis 1 when God says it's very good. I think you can see like when he's saying that, he's saying like, I'm making it. Yeah. I mean, if we go from our Genesis 1 conversation that we had where things were ordered and function, mm. if something's good, it's ordered and function as it was made to be. Right. Right. And this is, okay, so... I'll and that stems from the essence of God. Yes. yes. That's the key yeah. because this is what is called in philosophical world is the I think it's pronounced this way that the euthyphro or euthyphro euthyphro dilemma, euthyphro dilemma. and it's posed like this Word sounds familiar. is the good good because God approves it or does God approve it because it's good yeah chicken and, or the egg kind of and both kind of those kind of, yeah. you really don't want to say either one of those both of those are a problem so if you think through it you don't want to say the good is good because God just approves it or says it is, because then it could have just been the other way, right? Then when and it would, it doesn't make sense that like slaughtering babies is would ever be good, right? Right. Like, and and, and right. or does God approve it because it's good? But then it's rooted in something else. It's something mm-hmm. higher, like this idea of what I guess was that Walton's quote. Yeah, so, he's talking, being held accountable to something. Right. There's something that right. God is then held accountable. The way the theist has answered it is is goodness is rooted in it's rooted in who God is. Yeah. Which right? could you just then say that God is held God accountable is, by his own nature? Yeah, God right. is necessarily good. So when we talk about evil, it would be the antithesis or the opposite yeah, I wanted, of goodness. Yeah. I wanted to define it as misalignment with God. Which would then be, kind of. be yeah. rooted in who God is. Yeah. Right. But then I would want to know what the definition of evil is for somebody who doesn't believe in God. You can't have one. Could that's my that's explain. my yeah. philosophical argument. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. The irony of the problem of evil that's traditionally posed by someone who is the logical problem of evil challenging is, who's challenging theism. theism yeah. It's actually a defeater. Your it's mm-hmm. the assumptions of your argument are defeating your own position because you're assuming that evil is real. There's actually something right. as evil. And to assume that evil is real, you have to have a way to root that in something objective outside of your subjective belief that something is, you know, distasteful. It has to be more than that, right? It's not like, hey, I like chocolate, but you hate chocolate because you like strawberry. No, this is something else. You're saying that's wrong, right? It's wrong for me to right. kill someone, right? So for to make a claim that what's your basis of right or wrong? Right. What so if you're arguing that there is no there's no God then where are you rooting your basis for the belief that evil exists? Are you rooting it in... Which I think some 
people go into like altruism and like the survivability of species and stuff, don't they? But yeah, but, but at survival- that point you could still eat. Why is that even valuable? Why is that desire? But but hey, let's let's go there for a second because we see. I'm, I'm just well, gonna, there's contradictions to that oh, nowadays yeah. all the time. So we see okay in the animal kingdom, who who gets the female in the, the animal strongest. kingdom? The strongest. They take whatever they want. Yeah. But yet, if we were to operate like that, we have to say that's more than just right. it, rape. Is not just distasteful, right? It's wrong. So for us to say that then we have to be saying more than just, oh, I, it offends me or I don't like it. No, we're saying there's something actually intrinsically bad here. Yeah. Couldn't, so, you, couldn't you just though, say that we're just more evolved and we've decided as a human race that rape is bad? But nothing about evolution Which would they, seem to yeah. align with this because evolution, the idea of survival of the fittest, is that, hey, might makes right. The one who is the strongest, their genes are going to live on, right? It's about mm-hmm. weeding out the weak. And Unless it, we've decided as a species to, to go beyond. That it's beneficial to keep others around. Is it? See, the, is, yeah, is, is, that it? A, is that a tendency survival of the fittest? I don't you know. can dance around it. I think. So that, that would be the comeback to the person who is challenging the theist with a problem of evil type argument is, well, now they have a problem of good. Mm-hmm. To say there's evil, then you also are claiming that there's such a thing as good. Mm-hmm. Now, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So takeaway number one, where's the basis of your morality? Yeah, where, yeah where, is, where are moral values found? Where are they rooted in? Objective moral values. It's got to be more than subjective because right. subjective is different. And, and we live in a world full of, sub, I mean, we operate on objective moral values, but we try to promote, especially in our culture, this idea that subjective mm-hmm. subjectivity is what is king. Even though at the end of the day, if somebody well, people cuts like, in front of you at the line at the DMV, what are you going to say? That's not fair. That's not fair. Oh, well. No, you can just say, I don't like that. Yeah. You can't actually say that's not fair. You can say, I don't like it. Sure. Which is valid <laughs> to say from your perspective. But right. you, can say, yeah, but you can't say right. it's, it's, it's wrong. Yeah, but what I think what you could very not, easily say you know is like I mean. you can never say that's not fair. Yeah. If there are no objectives. Exactly. Right. Or you, you can, can just say you can also, I really don't like that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't prefer that. Yeah, right? exactly. And you also that can't And that, me. but that whole philosophy like <laughs> you making the shift from that literally <laughs> only promotes survival of the fittest mm-hmm. cuz then you're just letting people who will bulldoze over people win. They're all they're right. going to be the ones winning. But right. if everybody's subjective morality it. is right then you're not allowed to act on your subjective morality because then you're stepping on somebody else's exactly. subjective morality. And can't you say... That's and, why it all falls apart. And can't you say, too, like, and maybe this is more, this isn't as much morality as, like, I don't know, issues of identity or something, but still the subjectivity, I feel like you never get anywhere because then you could say, well, my subjective morality, I feel like trumps yours, and so therefore I'm going to do this even though you don't want me to do this to you, but I am because I believe that I'm subjectively moral, so then you're just not getting anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. It's what's the objective thing that says right. that you're right over me? And it's all way. it's exactly saying my way is wrong. It's all a trick. I mean, it really is. It's yeah. a it's smoke and mirrors because that's still an objective truth claim. You right. are making an objective truth claim when you say subjective values matter. Yeah. That's an objective truth claim. When right. you were saying even saying there is no objective truth, that's an objective right. truth claim. Right. So, so the moral of the story is you can't avoid objective truth claims. No. Because there is no truth is a truth. So yeah. one should judge the merit of them. Yes. Based on 
based on logic, lived, yeah. based on what yeah. we experience. We always use logic every day. So mm-hmm. logic is a good tool to use in determining mm-hmm. what is true, right? Um, so let's... So ba- going... So rewinding back... Not rewinding. To the problem? Recalibrating to the problem of evil. We defined the problem of evil, and we've also talked about a little bit about the the problem within even posing the problem. But if you, Jordan or Philip or Michael, if, if you were asked, okay, hey, I'm actually not coming at it maybe from the logical side here. Maybe someone comes to you and says, hey, I just experienced a really hard time. How could God allow this to happen? And not not necessarily like your grief counseling or something like that, but just if you are kind of laying out a theological yeah. case for... I would say a theological case isn't even appropriate if someone's... No, no, no. That's sure. why I'm saying... No, yeah, if somebody's yeah. like... If somebody's say like, like, I don't know. Go to your... Right. Weep with them. Like, go to your therapist. Well, actually say... I, I actually would... That's okay, too. But I would say with that, God cares. And how do we know he cares? Because he's done something about evil on the cross. Like, yeah. he's actually acted on right. our behalf. Right. But... Looking at it from maybe like more of the logical side, but you're you're not dealing with necessarily a, a staunch atheist. You're dealing with someone who's maybe curious. Hey, so what would you say to someone who says, "Hey, how can God exist alongside evil? Why would God create a world right. that evil?" I exists? think ultimately it comes down to that question: like, why would God create a world in which evil exists? Mm-hmm. Like, what reasons might He have? This is a great question. I think it's a good idea from the outset to say that, like, we don't have access to the reasons that God had for creating a world with evil in it. But we have some ideas of what could have happened, given what we live in value. This opens up the whole conversation of, like, what kind of worlds could could God actually create? Right. Now, well, let me ask you another question. Did God—first of all, did God create a world with evil in it? No. Right. So, right. like, the original conditions of creation, evil was not a part of the original conditions. Exactly. But the possibility the of evil or sure. the potential of it were innate. Which is the free will defense, right? Yeah, so the idea is, like, the only world that God right. could, this is a philosophical, could actualize, that is, bring into being, like, actually create, not just in his own head, but, like, with his own hands, would was a world... There is a world where evil exists because there are morally... Where there has been well, the potential. God found it most desirable and most valuable yeah. and most good, you could say, yeah. to have a world with free creatures in it than a world without free creatures right. in it. So it's not the only world he could have actualized, but to say it is the best, this the world, best world is the me, best world is he the could have actualized. the best world right. and best, right. you have to answer like, yeah, well, the first, what does best mean? Best is not. Planning even argues like best is not a good word to use, but it's the only word we we can yeah, really yeah. put there. Uh, so we certainly would say if God wanted to make a world with robots, He could have done that. Yeah. But that's not superior. To yeah. This which is what I was going to say. What does a world without evil look like? Good question. So new heavens, new earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's no, I'm just saying like I, if if people have free will and the capa- capacity to make evil decisions or evil choices or whatever, then a world without evil would necessarily mean that we're just always bent on doing good no matter what, which takes out the whole entire yes. choice and free will exactly. aspect of it. Well, exactly. yeah. yes, but also no. The world we're heading towards is a world without evil, but it will include humans that are truly free, mm-hmm. but always choose good. Mm. Right, but but the the difference between the final state and the original state were 
there was no journey. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the so the only reason that this world can exist is because of the journey, which is that what, we're on in human history. Which is what some call yeah, the so idea I'm, of the uh, soul building theodicy, which is also another way of explaining why evil exists, because the the journey idea that this is actually preparing us and we're being refined to become the type but of see, humans. But see, the issue I have with the soul building theodicy, if that's the only one you're using, is that kind of yeah, it sets God up to be kind of like a like it's big cosmic play and he's like oh right. I created a little evil character and I got yeah. there and right yeah. there you know I think right it's 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 probably there but it's not most old I think the whole best possible world thing is probably the the closest that we could get to a reason that God could have um, created the world and that so this guess- is a world a world with free creatures in it is fundamentally better than a world without. This is Plantinga. He says, uh, in broadest terms, Augustine claims that God could create a better, more perfect universe by permitting evil than he could by refusing to do so. And then he says, Augustine tells us a really top-notch universe requires the existence of free, rational, and moral agents. And some of the free creatures he created went wrong. Um, but the universe with the free creatures it contains and the evil they commit is better than it would have been had it contained neither the free creatures nor this evil. And then he goes on, such an attempt to specify this is what I call a theodicy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he says, Augustine's kind of theodicy might be called a free will theodicy, since the idea of rational creatures with free will plays a prominent role. A theodicist then attempts to tell us why God permits evil. Quite distinct from a free will theodicy is what I call a free will defense. Right. I aim to claim what God's reason might possibly be, not what it is. Right. So the difference being a theodicy goes further than a defense. A defense yeah, is just says theodicy a, is I mean, you're making a definite. He says a free will theodicy yeah. goes beyond what is required. Right. 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 And he's not in a, for the logical problem of evil. Although as Christians, we want to speculate. We're going to have to be satisfied with maybe less than we want, right. but we can say. God is logically, I mean, this is what Plantinga has, I think, demonstrated. God's logically off the hook. Right. He could have good reason. Yeah. Sure. And that's the key word. He could have good reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Plantinga's not even saying that he does have right. good reason. He, he would think, have. he would say that he right. does. Right. But from the logical perspective, he's saying he could have good reason. Yes. And there's no way for us to know that he doesn't. Right. So with the best possible world question, why is it a better world to have agents, morally free agents versus robots, say. Hmm. At least the way that I was thinking about it was like, if somebody has the free will to like love you, Mm -hmm. that's better than somebody that you're, that is like forced forced to to love love you you, or like they're just always going to love you no matter what because they don't have a choice in it. Yeah. Children, husbands, wives. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. It's like, I've uh, thought of it in that terms as well, especially with, you know, like Judah, my, my son, he's three and you think about I could have and I couldn't, but I could get Philip Winfrey to Winfrey hashtag Winfrey Solutions trademark um, to make a robot for me that's going to always say, "I love you, Daddy. I love you, Daddy." You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not near when my son actually tells me that. Yeah. Although with my son telling me that comes the countless other times that he screams and cries and pitches yep. a fit and does all that, you know. But there's more value in him as a free agent actually showing affection towards me than if I compelled him to by some other means. Right. Yeah. I, now, someone could argue, I feel like, 
will that be how it is? And when we talked about our Act Six new creation, are we just being groomed to be robots? Where no. it's like, I, yeah, no, no not at all. Yeah, there will exist a state of affairs one day where we will be morally free to choose right and wrong, but we will always choose right. Yeah, and that's just because we're choosing because we're being conformed God. to the image of Jesus. Yeah, that makes sense. But the idea of the journey coming in, God couldn't have actualized that state initially. Well, you could argue that he did. Well, no, you couldn't, because because Adam and Eve obviously did exercise their decision to choose evil. So, back to the whole thing of like Justin, you said God could have actualized a world of robots, but he, but it wouldn't have been better than this world. So I'm right. saying, we, but there's my question would be like, is it even possible to say that God could like could have done anything? I'm just saying he had the power to, but it's not okay. It's yeah, not yeah. it. His he had the power, but his his, his goodness. His goodness he's going to always exactly yeah withheld him from doing. So that. You, right, in, yeah, in yeah, a way yeah. of answering it, this is the only world yes. God would have created. Yes, but he could have created right. other Correct. worlds. But this is the one he, he was always going to because right. it's the best. Right. And the definition of best and better is okay. So here value to God. Well, here here are four possible worlds. I think okay. So we we talk about possible worlds. It sounds crazy, but it's really just thinking of it like options, options, situations. potential situations. Okay, so here's four possible worlds. Uh, in world one, God creates people with morally significant free will. Alongside that comes God does not causally determine people in every situation to choose what is right and to avoid what is wrong. And therefore, there is evil and suffering in world one. This is the world we live in. That's by the, the way. world we live in. Okay, here's world number two. God does not create people with morally significant free will. In that world, God causally determines people in every situation to choose what is right and to avoid what is wrong. There is no evil or suffering in world two. This is robot world. Okay? And this is where we would say, because of the value on having morally free agents, uh-huh. this world is not better than world You could even one. say God is morally obligated to create world A. Now here's world yeah. three. There's four. So here's world three. God creates people with morally significant free will. Proposition A. Proposition B. God causally determines people in every situation to choose what is right and to avoid what is wrong. There is no evil or suffering in world three. This one, Plantinga in his book, this is on Plantinga, argues that that world is impossible because A and B are not compatible. They contradict, right? God cannot create... Morally free with, people and, and cause, cause them to exactly. Do. <laughs> okay, so world three is off the table. It, yeah. God can't do it because it, it's just like saying, "Hey, God, make a married bachelor," or right. "God, make a square triangle." Right. God can't do that because right. it's it's illogical. Okay, world four. This is key. World four. God creates people with morally significant free will. God does not causally determine people in every situation to choose what is right and to avoid what is wrong. And there is no evil or suffering in world four. Meaning that they always choose good. This is the world God wants, and this is the world building towards that we're going towards. We're not there yet, right? But that's the world that's coming. Yeah, and that's that's we're called as followers of Jesus to. That's what growing in Christ likeness is: mm. is learning the habits and rhythms of learning to always choose. We never will, but it's like we have well, yeah, the that. muscle and the power to to start doing that. God has chosen to partner with us right. in creating. Or in in the idea of uh, working towards what is good. See, and now that is, I think, why he actualized World A. Right. It's because the partnership piece. It's all, it all goes back to Genesis 1, Act 1. Right. 
is the original intention was a world in which God is partnering with humans to create a flourishing world. Which, what does that say about God's very nature? Because mm-hmm. you could even go into the idea of the Trinity in the idea of uh, this mutual submission, submission and love right. that within the very being of God as mm-hmm. then we see that in God's desire to share in that mm-hmm. with other... So it's like he didn't create because he was lacking something, he right. created to share something. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Which kind of challenges the whole idea of like, that wasn't the only reason God actualized this world, is to have someone love him back no. freely. He didn't need um, that. He didn't need that. But, in himself, he was already right. fully but, self- but But you can say like that that is the essence of like more of having sure. moral freedom is the ability to like choose right. one thing or the other. So that is essentially the problem of evil. Some of our listeners are like, okay, well, that's all fine and good, but like what I experience every day or, you mm-hmm. know, I think at the end of the day, the logical dimension, the philosophical dimension, it's needed, but it's not the whole pick. Like I like what Plantinga says right here. Neither a free will defense nor a free will theodicy is designed to be of much help or comfort to one suffering from such a storm in the soul. But yeah. what is yeah. the fact that... God became flesh and dwelt among right. us. Sure. And so for the person who will say, why doesn't God do something about evil? The Christian can say confidently, he has, and right. he will finish what he right. begun 2,000 years ago. So right. the idea that God doesn't care about evil, wrong. Like, we know God cares so much that he actually suffered so, yeah. on the cross. So, like, there's no reason for the Christian to hesitate in talking and saying that. That we see that God does very much care about evil in the world, mm-hmm. and he's, do, he's done something about it. Also, I would also recommend to the person who maybe wants to read more, because the quote you just read from Planning, I think, is spot on. C.S. Lewis has two books, and they're both totally different, but they both deal with the problem of evil in both dimensions. The Problem of Pain is his book that deals with the logical side of it, and mm-hmm. it's very good. But it's funny because he wrote that earlier in his life, and then he was married later in life, and his wife died before him. And then he wrote in response to that, A Grief Observed, which is him wrestling with the existential problem of evil, Mm -hmm. him actually mourning through losing his wife. And it shakes him to the core. But yeah, those two books, if you're just to see both sides of it, and Problem of Pain and A Grief Observed are two really good books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say that, you know, I think the reality of evil in our world, especially on the personal level, is very complex and nuanced. Yes. And we should be very hesitant when we are both navigating our own personal pain loss and how we experience and that of others to offer like pocket answers to things. Mm. I think we've kind of lost the art of grief. Mm. I think part of being a Christian, I think even, yeah, Jesus died, was buried and rose again. That, that Saturday experience is important Mm. to human, to, to navigate the reality of suffering and evil in our world. But as Christians, the hope of the resurrection is always the final, mm-hmm. right. is the period at the end of the sentence. Right. But you can't skip. You can't jump over Saturday. Yeah. Right, exactly. You have, so I think our quickness to offer pat answers or really tightly argued theological explanations, like I think if we're avoiding our own pain and our, the grief process, I think we're not honoring God right. at all right. or humanity. Um, or anybody else right. that we're you know ministering to. So I think it's a co- it's complex. Like there are people that have thought really deeply on mm-hmm. both the logical dimension and the existential dimension, and so you're not alone in the journey of thinking about it. Right. And and you know ex- yeah. And I love the- what Jesus says. Like for those who are 
weary and burdened. Come to me, mm-hmm. I'll give you rest. Yeah. Like this, God cares very much about not just the logical side of this, but right. the people who are just suffering every day yeah. and need something. And it's like God has taken notice mm-hmm. and he's acted on your behalf. So I, I think that as much as it is fun sometimes to think about the logical side of this thing, it, fun. Fun in the sense of... be stimulating. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, just <laughs> right. from, from the theological right. side of it. But I do right. think for the people who like are just like, hey, I just need to get... I just need to get through my day. Yeah. Like, yeah. God notices that, mm-hmm. and He's He's listening. So, yeah. I, I don't... I, don't I, I agree with you. Um, no matter what you're going through, oftentimes the best help you can have is a, is a shoulder to cry on. Like, we need other people yeah. at, in our life that help us walk through seasons of... Mm-hmm pain and suffering and evil and that may even mean you getting professional help you know going to a therapist i i'm married to a therapist so i kind of get i get it by default (laughs) isolation is the last thing you need if you're in a painful place yeah Um, it's not to say you can't be alone as you're processing it but to be perpetually alone is uh not healthy for your soul right so I think on the flip side too, like own up to your actions like if you are on the flip side of that and you're contributing to evil in the world and like yeah, you better stop that, John. Yeah, it's like, gosh, love your enemies, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, really, if we want to get right down to it, the reason evil exists is because of us. Right. Right. It's no, yeah. So every day, how do I contribute to evil in the world? If I want to look more like Christ, maybe I shouldn't. Like you said, it's it's really hard to not do that at all, because I mean, right. we're claiming we're not sinning, but I think we could strive to not contribute to evil. Yeah, I think that's... That's a good goal in life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's probably really good. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, If you want, you guys can go on. We say this every episode, so you guys should be able to say it with me by now. Our website, thegoodbrewpodcast.com. Go on our social medias, at goodbrewpodcast. Interact with us. Leave us a review. We will always say that. Actually, you know what? We'll leave it out one episode, and then the person who notices it will win a prize. So always be listening. Anyways, I think that about does it for this episode of The Good Brew. Stay tuned for the next time that we get philosophical. (laughs) But until next time, goodbye from The Good Brew.